2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hey, Keith. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am... Very busy and I wish we have another I wish we had another long weekend like we just had here in the US. Oh, I love a four-day weekend. They're just luxurious, aren't they? I mean, I did spend most of the weekend actually working. I just need more of that time. I need like a ten day work week. I don't know. It's just We got to we got to watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade though too. There was a parade. So. There was an actual parade, sort of. Yeah. There was a dog show. There was some yeah. semblance of normalcy. Anyway. <laughs> no, those were two words put together semblance of normalcy those are words nor
1: normality or normalcy
0: (laughs) oh all right I'm gonna go ahead and copy edit you live (laughs) what what was that word that Fred Durst said on the MTV VMAs one year that wasn't a word. oh god I have no idea this is like a um uh well anyway we'll move on I know that Jewel put the word casualty
1: in her poem and Kurt Loder called her out on it (laughs) right um.
0: Oh, Kurt not talking about a death t- definitely talking about something being casual um okay well as always the billboard pop shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and sometimes wordsmithing is that a word mm-hmm. okay yes yeah. on billboards weekly charts in addition you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news fun chart stats and stories new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop Today on the show, we've got chart news about how BTS takes over the top slots on both the Billboard 200 albums chart and the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, and the top 10 arrival of Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber's single Monster on the Hot 100.
1: We'll also be talking about the fallout from the Grammy nominations and how Dua Lipa's Studio 2054 concert stacks up to the real live thing. (laughs) <laughs> but first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts.
0: Um, all right, first up, let's do the chart chat. On the Billboard 200 Albums Chart, BTS, you may have heard of them, nets its second number one album of 2020, and fifth number one album overall as B that is spelled B-E, bows atop the list with 242,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending November 26th, of course, according to Nielsen Music MRC data. Of that sum, 177,000 are album sales. By the way, the album was only available in two different formats, a digital album that was like about like maybe 8 or $9, and a physical album that cost 50 Wow, that is unlike their previous strategy. Uh, yeah, their previous <laughs> strategy was like four different physical albums that cost about $24 a piece. So they've really upped the and ante had,
1: here. And they had all sorts of like cards and
0: things random
1: put into the packages. So they, they went a different direction. Interesting. Yeah,
0: still sold a heck of a lot, though. I'd say. Yeah. Um. The pop group topped the list uh, earlier in 2020 with Map of the Soul 7. BTS also takes over the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart as the new B album track, Life Goes On, which the group performed recently on the American Music Awards, I think in a medley with Dynamite, correct? Yep, they did both. Yeah, Uh, debuts at number one. It's the third number one for BTS following Dynamite and their feature turn on Josh685 and Jason Derulo's Savage Love, Laxed Siren beat. Yeah. Speaking of Dynamite... The release of the album... I was just saying, yeah, because that's a lot of song title to say. Speaking of Dynamite, (laughs) Savage Love, Laxed Siren Beat just rolls off the tongue.
1: There's so many adjectives.
0: (laughs) It's a Savage Love, it's a Laxed Siren, the beat is sang the sireny. Meanwhile, speaking of Dynamite, the release of the album, B, helped draw fans to the track because Dynamite is on the album, B, as Dynamite jumps back into the top 10 on the Hot 100, flying 14 to 3. Uh, Life Goes On, uh, which is the first mostly Korean-language song to be number one on the Hot 100, sold 150,000 copies and earned 14.9 million U.S. streams in the week ending November 26th. Uh, In terms of radio airplay, which is the third component that goes into the Hot 100, aside from sales and streams, the song basically had no airplay. So clearly this was a fan-favorite. That the fans really, really wanted to get to number one, and we'll look at that. It worked uh, for all they things. Look at that for all things BTS on the charts. Like what BTS, the B G S, Future, and the Beatles all have in common on the charts this week. Make sure to visit billboard.com/chart-beat. Staying with the Hot 100 for a moment, Shawn Mendes and Justin Bieber's team up on the new single "Monster" debuts at number eight, giving Mendes his sixth top ten and Bieber his twenty-first. Monster had seventeen thousand in sales, nineteen point one million in streams, and fourteen point four million in airplay audience. Now, back on the Billboard 200 albums chart, Megan Thee Stallion's new album, Good News, makes headlines as it bows at number two. Uh, The set is her highest-charting album yet, after and also her third top ten effort, by the way. Uh, The album includes her number one Hot 100 hit, Savage, uh, the remixed version featuring Beyoncé as well as the new song body body Addy yadi, which has taken over social media via the body challenge inspiring many a fan to twerk and shake their rump to the tune. Katie, have you seen the one of the guy twerking at the drive-through at Starbucks cuz Megan shared it on her social networks? I have not, but I'm going to go look at it after this. <laughs> it's great. It's 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 great and I'm like, "I can't move that quickly. How do these people do it? It's amazing." <laughs> Um, But yeah, if you and if you those of you that are listening, if you haven't seen it, just go find her social media. It's great. And uh, learn a couple new dance moves while you're at it.
1: All right. So we wanted to circle back
0: to a conversation we had on
1: last week's episode. (laughs) A shell shell shock
0: conversation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. Um, You heard our live reactions to the big four uh, Grammy nominations uh, for the 2021 awards show. And we talked about how we fared with our predictions and running down all the big four nominees. But a lot has happened since last Tuesday. Um, There has been a lot of talk about snubs in those major categories, including Carrie Styles being passed over for his album Fine Line and his song Adore You, or Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters not landing in the album of the year category. Those were a couple of shocking things. Hmm. But by far, the overwhelming sentiment after nominations came out was centered on one artist, and that question was, where is The weekend? He's taking a long weekend break from the Grammy Award nominations. (laughs) So he seemingly had a commercially and critically beloved project with After Hours, and uh, it also had a smash hit song in Blinding Lights. And it seemed like a lock for nods, as you heard from Keith and my predictions, you know, the week prior. Um, But not only did he not get any big four nominations, he got zero nominations period when he is a grammy like a very he's been nominated for grammys in the past in uh what used to be the urban category which has now been renamed that might have worked against him this new album was considered pop and it's a very crowded field that might have worked against him but just zero nominations was was a little mind-blowing to myself and others and maybe also to the weekend himself, <laughs>
0: apparently, apparently as well. To the weekend, yeah.
1: Um, you know, people typically kind of play the political game, and you know, maybe don't they let their fans talk for them when the snubs happen. But yeah. the weekend didn't, did not go that direction. Um, he actually sent out two tweets directed at the Grammys. The first one came out late in the day on nominations day, so on Tuesday, the twenty fourth, when he tweeted, "The Grammys remain corrupt." You owe me, my fans, and the industry transparency. So in that tweet, he was speaking directly to the process of of Grammy voting because he felt like that's what had failed him, I'd say. Um, And then the next day, he tweeted, Collaboratively planning a performance for weeks to not being invited? In my opinion, zero nominations equals you're not invited. So again, it sounds like he's saying and... uh, you know, we don't know all the inner workings of everything, but he's saying that the Grammys were already preparing a performance moment with him, but then they didn't nominate him at all. Therefore, he's no longer thinking that that's going
0: to happen. Well, the, the two, I mean, okay, okay. I mean the two the 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 two things don't work in concert together. There's nominations and there's a TV team that produces a show and. I'm sure they were probably talking to him assuming that they were going to he was going to get nominated cuz all everyone else assumed that they were and then when the nominations come out and they're like holy
1: crap that might be the problem right right there um the idea that the TV side the the producers which forever was the same crew was Ken Ehrlich you heard that name a lot but this year it's Ben Winston who is a longtime James Corden producer um And a friend, he Harry Styles lived at his house for a while. He's also well known for that. As a random tidbit Um, (laughs) for you, all right. (laughs) But maybe that's part of the problem here, like the expectation that this conversation that they were having meant that there were going to be nominations. It feels a little quid pro quo, but it also, like as you say, like these two arms are moving separately. But if the weekend even begins to start thinking about a performance, he's assuming. You know, they've got inside knowledge that he doesn't have and that they're asked, talking about about it for a reason. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you'd ho- you, know? you would
0: hope that someone would have explained that explicitly and said, just because we are speaking to you does not mean that you are going to be nominated. That is something that is done by an entirely different body outside of the team that produces the television show for CBS. Mm-hmm. You'd hope. Maybe th- maybe
1: a new rule, uh, shout out to Dua Lipa, will be put into place uh for next year where maybe the tv team shouldn't start approaching artists until
0: nominations are out maybe that would be a good start i thought that's the way it worked based upon previous interviews i read with Ehrlich, where you know maybe ben winston
1: didn't know how it worked since he just
0: started doing this (laughs) who knows who knows um anyway
1: um on the transparency front though which is what he had requested in the in the process um I think that that is something that people have been talking about and asking for for a long time, because as we've talked about, you know, there's these genre committees who who deal with the specific um, genre categories, but then there's this whole wider committee. Uh, basically, everybody, all the voters are allowed to get in on the big four uh, action, correct? It's, Therefore, it's a little bit different it, of a
0: process. It's it's, it's a, it basically, yeah, I mean, I think what he's talking about, which this is, I think this has been defined, there are specific committees, genre committees within the Recording Academy, like for R&B or for hip hop or for dance or for music video, that are effectively screening committees made up of professionals from the industry who screen submissions to that category to make sure that they are appropriate for that category. Then there is the sort of special screening committee the nomination screening committee for the big four categories album record song and best new artist where there is a sort of sort of blue ribbon nominating committee that goes through I think it's like the top 20 vote getters for album record song and best new artist and then they basically determine who the final eight nominees are going to be from that long list
1: wouldn't you love to see those groups of 20
0: Oh, what I did! Well, it's like you—you you wonder. <laughs> you, I mean, and, and Paul Greiner, our awards editor, who I might be getting it ahead of you, he interviewed Harvey Mason, the sort of interim—is he interim CEO? Yeah, acting CEO of the Recording Academy. And Harvey didn't say if the weekend was among the top twenty vote getters in those in record album and song. He didn't say yes or no. I mean, yeah. So anyway, he said he
1: was surprised not to see him there too. Yeah, he actually, said that in that, in that was interview. Surprised. Yeah, didn't mean to cut so, you off there, Katie. Well, no, not at all. I The one other thing I wanted to say, based on what you were talking about also, is there was a, a side, tiny, nano-controversy in the sense that Justin Bieber got mad about his own category that he ended up in because he submitted his album, Changes, into the R&B categories, and they just rerouted them over to pop because they're like, uh, oh, bro, this is a pop album. And he was very deliberate about it being R&B. So it's, it's another interesting you know, thread to this whole process. Well, um, we will, of course, be talking about the Grammys for the coming couple <laughs> of months until the show uh, on January 31st. Um, we find it super fascinating, and clearly the artists, and the fans do too. Y'all so. may be
0: bored of it already, frankly, but if, if, if people listening.
1: If you're listening to this show,
0: you're not bored of it. No. <laughs> you like this stuff. <laughs> it, it is uh, it is super fascinating, but um, we should probably move on.
1: Okay, let's um, let's to. move on. Let's move on to the fact that uh, that Keith and I went to a concert together on Friday, guys. <laughs> yes, we, we did sort of. <laughs> okay, not exactly, but we both uh, tuned in Friday night to watch Dua Lipa's Studio 2054 live stream concert, and we texted throughout it. So in 2020, it was pretty much the next best thing to attending a com- a concert together. We weren't, I would we, say we
0: weren't live tweeting; we were live texting.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, so that was a private conversation, but now we'll have it in public right here on this podcast. Um I just wanted to start with some highlights of the of the live stream in my opinion. First first off, I thought the production value was like killer. Yeah. I thought You know, they really uh, they they were in a warehouse kind of space. They turned it into this, you know, kind of moving, breathing music video where, you know, she and her dancers were traveling through to different sets. Like, it's pretty much the closest thing anyone could have to feeling like they were in a bar, in a nightclub. Like a lot of the scenes were centered around DJs, um, including the Blessed Madonna was one of those DJs um, throughout the show. Um, And it just, that was like the heartbeat of the whole thing was like a DJ and a beat and a dance party. And that's what this album is. And we've been talking about this album since its release in March about how it deserves to be danced to. And it deserves to have like a live concert where people can, you know, dance to do as music live. And so basically this was the, the best thing that she could bring to her fans right now. And it was pretty damn good. Like, I mean, I think that, you know, if you told me in March that that's the only way I could see you do a live, I might be disappointed by that idea. But, you know, eight, nine months later, all of a sudden it, it felt like it felt really great to me. Yeah. So um, one of the other things, the big stories leading up to it was the special guests from it. Um, For me, those were a little hit and miss because yeah. I feel like they might have been a little overpromised. Yeah. Um, one of them was Keith's favorite, um, Kylie Minogue and and she, along with, uh, the French pop star Anjali were the only two that were, that actually appeared to be like on set with Dua for the main portion of the concert. Aside from the DJs,
0: aside from like the Blessed Madonna and stuff.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, FKA Twigs did this pole dance thing and Dua was there like on site for it, but it didn't feel like it was part of the same, um, no. Uh, performance and also kylie and anjali both popped back up at the end for kind of a curtain call that sort was the of giveaway where, i'm
0: like where's fk twigs she's not there for the curtain call oh it must have been exactly. or something
1: exactly and then the two biggest names that were talked about beforehand were um, hold Miley on Cyrus. kylie is an enormous
0: name so stop
1: i know but the two biggest names <laughs> there,
0: were, there were two other major <laughs> names that were mentioned
1: i love kylie minogue let me just say that Miley Cyrus was talked about ahead of time as a special guest, and obviously she and Dua have the new song Prisoner out together. And the performance for the live stream turned out to be kind of like an outtake from the video set.
0: Exclusive B roll. Like "Mm." Yeah.
1: Like it wasn't a new live vocal. It wasn't it it was just a different kind of, you know, vantage point of the music video. Yeah. Um so that was a little disappointing. Like There was that. And then Elton John was also promised, which is like, whoa, what are Elton and Dua going to do together? Nothing. The answer is nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Because Elton kind of appeared like this angel in the sky for a performance of Rocket Man while like dancers kind of watched it, you know, as it beamed down. Um, Very cool to get Elton John on your concert. Very cool. Not deriding that at all. But it didn't exactly blend in with the rest of the vibe. No. For me. No. Um, Okay. I mean, Bad Bad Bunny
0: and J Balvin were also on it as well. They were on TV screens, that's correct. And and Dua sang Undia. And Tiny, don't forget Tiny. Tiny. Well, he didn't sing, though. He's just the producer. He just appeared. But at least Dua sang the song Undia with them doing their parts on a tv screen behind them so it was still like it was a quasi live performance where she was still and it, doing. yeah it was live. incorporated yeah 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 um putting those things aside those minor quibbles the main question i think for me
1: and keith to discuss is how does it compare to a real deal concert for what we're allowed to do right now basically so keith I, what, what, Like, where is the stand for you as far as, like, going to a concert? Well, I mean, it's not going to
0: a concert, for God's sake. I know. But when I was watching it, the only thing I could think of was, like, oh, I wonder if this was what she wanted to do for the live show. I wonder mm-hmm. if this is what she was planning on doing for the tour that she had actually announced, I think, for Europe already. There could be sirens outside. You might hear them. If not... Um, I just kept thinking, oh, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And then I thought, I wonder if she'll hold on to this for maybe next year when we might have shows or will the moment have already passed and she's on to the next album already. So is this going to be the only time that we'll actually see this actual production? But, um, to me, it really felt like they really wanted to do something that wasn't just a traditional concert, more of a music video slash club experience slash something you wouldn't actually get anywhere else. Um, Because it was like almost like a fantasy experience. Like that club isn't real. That isn't a real bartender. That's not the DJ you would ever see. These are all professional dancers. But you kind of felt like a moment you were kind of watching a little mini movie of a fantasy of what this world could be like. So for what it was, it was really cool. Would this be the same live experience? Not quite. But I could still see those costumes on stage, those dancers on stage, the the, the musical treatments and interpretations on stage. A lot of it, yes. I could see that actually happening. I think fans would love for this to actually be reenacted in person.
1: And I feel like I almost kind of saw myself while watching it in the dancers in the sense that like a lot of times they were just getting to freestyle dance to do as music. Well, you know, in, that like, had been rehearsed setting. for
0: days beforehand. All, quote, unquote, freestyle this improv. What... <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> but it looked like they were having like a lot of fun yes. because they hadn't been able to do that either. You know, it's not like they've been at nightclubs, you know, secretly or something. They also were getting this opportunity to be part of a club. I don't know. I felt kind of living vicariously through them. I yeah, I, I could see
0: that too. I could see, you could see like there are moments where like she and the dancers would connect eyes and you kind of felt like, Oh, I'm getting a real moment. Like they're having a moment, like maybe that wasn't scripted or maybe it was, but you could tell that they're all kind of feeling the moment, especially yeah. at the end when they finally, They finished at the end, and um, you could tell that Duo was just like, everyone was like, relieved, we did it, and we did this amazing thing, and how good it must have felt to do something live, even though it wasn't in a traditional sense, you know?
1: Totally, totally. And I, I so I feel like it was in service to the artists and to the viewer, big time. And I also feel like they will be missing out on an opportunity if they do not release this as a live album because i loved the seamless transitions between songs like there were a lot of cool um like little nuggets of other songs worked in like Kwai songs missy elliott songs dropped in well, to I'll transition you, you would quite yes. enjoy the
0: club future nostalgia remix album that dua lipa already released well, that's, which that's a lot of this
1: in it it was at the blessed madonna remix or yeah 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 um this, so that was my one thing I kept thinking. Oh, I just want to listen to this over and over again. And then, um, I also, oh, wait, no, I just lost my train of thought entirely. Where did I go? Oh, I wanted to mention we also got a press release, um, about the show on Monday that first of all says that you can watch the show until Sunday. So if you missed out on Friday, you're able to watch the show through to Sunday. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, I should say, what is that, December? Sixth through December sixth. Yep. So December sixth, Sunday, and they also said that more than five million people watched this thing. Which who knows if it's five million independent viewers or repeat viewers or what? Yeah, I'm like I cl- kind of imagine. I, I think I
0: clicked on it a number of times through the weekend, so there's a couple clicks just from me. So,
1: but still, like I was actually thinking to myself while watching it, I wonder how many people are watching this because I knew it was global. They had options for you to watch it in different time zones in different countries. Um, and it's kind of, it's pretty cool to think that you tuned in to something that like, according to this thing, like this many people in China, this many people in India, this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Was all watched together on Friday night. Like, I, I think they did a great job, you know, putting this experience together in this moment of time.
0: Yeah. Even yeah. if it wasn't really truly live, live, cause there's no way this was actually a live, live event, but it looked, yeah. it looked It in terms of, they probably taped it live in portions of exactly
1: that's what i was trying to explain to dan while we were watching it. i was like i think they basically decided to record it live now if there was a major mistake of course they would be able to have a redo but it looked very a lot of the transitions song to song to song looked pretty seamless
0: so it felt live at least yeah yeah um well is that it (laughs) is that it on dua uh, it's enough for
1: do. I could talk about do all day, okay, but well. I, let's, let's do this again sometime, Keith. Another okay. Friday night concert.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on now. It's time for the chart stat of the week.
1: Want you to make me feel like I'm the only girl in the world. Like I'm the only one that
2: you
0: Ten years ago this week, Rihanna's Grammy award-winning single, Only Girl in the World, hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, her eighth number one of so far 14 leaders, The track rose two to one on the Hot 100 chart dated December 4th, 2010, and spent one week at number one. Only Girl won a Grammy for Best Dance Recording and is one of nine Grammy Awards Rihanna has taken home out of 33 nominations. By the way, Rihanna's 14 number ones on the Hot 100 remains the third most in the chart's history for an artist behind only Mariah Carey's 19 and the Beatles' 20 chart toppers. So there you have it. Ten years ago this week, Rihanna was the only girl in the world at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. All right, Katie, we've reached the end of our big sort of post-post-Grammy reaction, Dua Lipa, 2054 show, a BTS <laughs> show. What song should we go out on?
1: You know, that only girl chart stat makes me want Rihanna to do the next concert live stream. So She's, Rihanna, she she would probably con-
0: she would probably contend like if you watched my fashion show. Well, oh, you know,
1: that is you get a piece of that feeling. But yeah. no, I want like
0: all Rihanna, nothing else. No filler, just Rihanna. <laughs> she would be like, that wasn't filler, darling. That was fashion. Anyway, should we go out on another Rihanna song? Is that what you're suggesting?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's just keep on that same vibe and do We Found
0: Love. Okay, great. Uh, We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
2: Step into the world of power. Loyalty.